morning and welcome. It's the Patriot Radio News Hour live on a Friday. I know you're all disappointed. It's just me, Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. Get your favorite pet rock today. Of course, talking about gold and silver. You know, when you think about all the, well, let's face it, the difference 24 hours can make. Our toll-free number is 800-951-0592. The website at allamericangold.com. Make sure, put that in your favorites. Follow us on Twitter, at Patriot Trading One. Follow us on our podcast. Follow us on Facebook. Now, I've been promising our first gold event, and we are absolutely going to do it. It's just not going to be today, and the reason is actually very simple. I thought I was talented enough to figure it out. However, I was not, and I need uh, my wife and or Wendy, because they know what to, how to do it, and neither one of them are here. My wife is actually traveling with our youngest son uh, to a basketball tournament in California. Um, so she wasn't here today, and Wendy will be back. So on Monday, I will promise you this. We will have that event up by Monday, where you're going to guess what the price of gold's going to be, and whoever wins is going to get free gold. Absolutely no obligations whatsoever. You don't even have to be a customer. All you have to do is be on Facebook, follow us, and enter in what you think the price is going to be. So make sure you get all of that stuff done. Uh, you know, I've been telling you, it's one of the most interactive gold shows in the world today. The Metals Plan people, we should be done. We should have it done by next week. So it'll be all done by next week. I know everyone's being patient. Things are slow. It's been taking a while. It's just how it is. Uh, but we appreciate all of your patience. But that will all be done. But wow. <laughs> I don't know what to say, what to do, what to think. You know, you have the bombings in Syria uh, and the bombings of the jobs number. Uh, either way, not a great day as gold's up 15 more dollars, but it was going to be up anyway. You know, and I've been telling you and trying to get you to understand it, uh, right now gold's at, what, $1,265 to the ounce as it broke the last, I guess, the, the last of the technical resistances, the 200-day moving average uh, fell today. And now you've got gold set up to, and just like we said, listen, this is inevitable, right? Uh, go back to, you know, now really, you know what, gold's where? Gold's back at the election, right? And remember the, the, when they declared Trump the winner, what was happening that night, right? Gold was up like, what was it, 1340? I think it got to. Uh, by the time we all woke up the next morning, it was all the way back down again. But that's where gold's going. And then once it breaks through there, then, you know, it, up, upward and onward. Uh, but as we kind of watch, I'm going to talk about Syria for just a moment. You know, I don't know what to think. 
right? I mean, do we let them just keep using chemical weapons on people? You know, uh, Obama let them do it, so it only stood to reason that he was going to do it again. Uh, and at the same time, what are we going to do there, right? I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, here's the bad part. You know, we, this is what we've been learning about the Middle East. You get rid of one bad guy. And they get replaced by a different bad guy. I mean, that's just, there's lots of bad guys. <laughs> so, you know, you know, I don't know. Are we sending a message to North Korea? Maybe. But I definitely will say, will tell you this. This is one thing is for certain. Times definitely have changed, haven't they? Uh, again, all the more reason why you need to have things put away before they happen, and that's where we come in at 800-951-0592. For those of you, uh, Eric was unable to be here. He actually sent me a text late last night, but he's fine. He's fine. He, he just uh, what, he, he wants to be here, wasn't able to do it, maybe next week. Uh, but, but he just, uh, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. But we're going to talk really about what happened again. Two big events are happening, and I don't know if you saw what's been happening with Jamie Dimon. He's the CEO over there uh, at J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, he came out and said that, hey, too big to fail. Yeah, don't worry about that anymore. We got that covered. We got it licked. We got it knocked out. And then Neil Kashkari, the Minnesota Federal Reserve president, came out and said, no, <laughs> uh, no, nah, nah, we don't. Don't have that worked out at all. Matter of fact, uh, it's still a big problem. And today the the Wall Street Journal was talking about the need for, well, let's face it, doing it right, which is how do you end too big to fail? You, you break them up, right? You make them smaller, but we haven't done that. We're going to talk about that. And then, of course, this morning's jobs number. And, wow, again, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to think. You've got soft data, you got hard data, you got this data, you got that data. All of the data gets seasonally adjusted anyway, so we don't even know what it is that we're talking about. But a huge miss to the downside, only 98,000 jobs uh, in March, and they also revised February lower, but yet the unemployment rate fell. We're going to talk all about it. Patriot Radio News Hour. Don't touch that dot. Patriot Radio News Hour. You know, it's getting really crazy out there. Now, the the terrorists, they're driving the beer trucks into people. Uh, in Sweden this morning, uh, three people confirmed dead as a semi-truck of beer was commandeered and uh, driven into, it looked like, like a shopping mall. Uh, but but uh, three people dead there as well, and it doesn't really matter, right? Nobody's safe anywhere. <laughs> I mean, they're they're just out there, right? And we just keep letting them all in. Why not? Uh, 
But I guess the big news of the day, whether it be the bombings that occurred in Syria, what does that mean? What are the implications? None of us really know. Listen, here, here's the here's the real thing about that, right? The whole Middle East in general. There's no good answer. <laughs> None of them are good, right? We, I we, I wish we could just sweep it under the rug and ignore them, but I guess uh, I don't know. Anyway. U.S. employers added just 98,000 jobs last month, the fewest in a year. However, the unemployment rate fell to nearly a seven-year low, down to 4.5%. (laughs) And I only laugh because I think I figured it out. The rate fell because nearly half a million more Americans reported finding jobs. But there's only 98,000 jobs created. So how could both of those statements be true? Well, the half a million people, that was a survey. The 98,000, even that number was seasonally just, so we have no clue. This is how they've they've made it now. They've made it to where Hey, we don't want anybody to know what the real answer ever would be, because it doesn't fit in our economic model anyway. They said they also reduced the number of jobs in February as well. Uh, Construction, they said, added only 6,000 jobs, the fewest in seven months, and apparently there was a storm in March. I I didn't know if you guys knew that or not. Uh, The weather was, was bad. Uh, They said that retailers slashed 30,000 jobs. And you kind of think about that, and you're like, that's it? Kind of feels like a whole lot more than that as well. Education, health care services added the fewest jobs in 15 months. And, you know, you, you start trying to figure all of this stuff out, it'll drive you crazy. How about this one? This was the, the the headline on CNBC, the stock channel this morning. Confidence in housing falls as consumers worry about jobs. That was the headline. They said a monthly home purchase sentiment survey. Not one of these soft data points. This one done by Fannie Mae dropped 10% in the month of March, they said that consumers uh, reported that now may not be a good time to buy a home. And they said that they also reported dramatically less confidence in the stability of their jobs. Those who reported that their household income is significantly higher than it was 12 months ago that also fell by 8%. Wow. Strong home prices, appreciation, blah, blah, blah. Well, listen, here's really simple. If you got less money, you're going to be less confident. <laughs> I mean, I think we've kind of figured it out. So where are all these jobs? And 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 I was trying to figure it out. Let me see here. I got it, I got it here somewhere. Oh, here we go. Here we go. 
No, that's not it. Hold on a minute. I've got it here. I do. It's live radio. No, no, no. Oh, here it is. I got it. So this was a, this actually came out yesterday. Massachusetts. So think about, you know, the state of Massachusetts. It says roads. Oh, here we go. More than 8,000 Uber and Lyft drivers have been pulled off Massachusetts roads after failing a new state background check, according to the Department of Public Utility. And I was like, wow, a lot of, 8,000 of them? How many drivers are there? And the funny thing was is they told me, according to the records released, the state reviewed the criminal and driving records of around 71,000 Uber and Lyft drivers who applied for a state license. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow. Now, let's, you know, Massachusetts is, you know, it's average, right? I mean, you know, states like California got, you know, way more, and then there's going to be states like Alaska got way less, but let's just say that was the average. That'd be 3.5 million Uber and Lyft drivers in the country. I think I found where a lot of people are now working. They're cab drivers. They said in the in the past, many Uber and Lyft drivers have been arrested in a number of incidents, blah, blah, blah. So Massachusetts said we're going to do a background check and 8,206 of them fail. But then I got to thinking about, you know, can both numbers be right? Can the hard data say, hey, you know what? This is, this is not an economy that's growing. We're kind of maybe working real hard to stay where we are, or is it the soft data that says, hey, things are better, or this or that or the other? And I, I, I've come to this conclusion. If all the jobs are part-time jobs, then maybe both could be right. How many people do you know that work more than one job? Right, and I, I start thinking, you know what, more and more people, that's becoming the norm. Right, I work for Uber or Lyft, right, I drive part-time, I got my other job part-time, and I got this job part-time. And it seems like, did you see Amazon? Right, Amazon's putting all these retailers out of business. Better of fact, uh, I'll have to update the store closings. I'll tweet it out later of all the, someone's done a an evaluation of how many more retail stores need to close. It was shocking. Thousands and thousands more still to come. But, you know, I start wondering, is this what, what's happened? Amazon says they're going to hire 30,000 part-time people. And I, and, and, you know, we, we, we talk about how we have the need to have to pay people more money. We talk about 
how much more expensive it is to provide health insurance for your employees, to provide for 401ks and IRAs and, and really anything. You really you think about it, just costs. Everything costs. Right? How many companies now to get in the building, you got to have a little security card, right? All that stuff costs money. You got to have some system that lets you in and out of doors. I mean, it's crazy. Got to do background checks on everybody. And these companies don't want to hire, especially they don't want to pay you 15 or $20 an hour. And so everybody's doing the same thing, which is what? Part-time. It kind of feels like a part-time economy, doesn't it? Yeah, we're working, but no one's really making any money. And then you kind of think about, well, you know what, that, that fits too. Why is it that home sales aren't back to where these... Matter of fact, why is it that people that own their homes continues to decline? Now Fannie Mae comes out and says, hey, people don't think it's a great time to buy a home anymore. And matter of fact, they're all worried about their income. I don't know how you fix it. right? How do you fix that? And you, and you kind of start thinking about, you know, we, we've got all of these people that need jobs. And anybody will do the, you know what? 70,000, 100,000, 200,000 Uber and Lyft drivers. I mean, I I don't know, maybe. But then you start thinking about, okay, if you lost your retail job, where are you going to get another job? This is I can't remember the last time I saw, even when they seasonally adjust, that retail numbers actually fall. You know, when I was when I was thinking about over the last several years when we were doing these jobs numbers, they were all the same. Waitresses, waiters, bartenders, retail. And now the retail side has come to a screeching halt. And I wonder how far away the restaurant side is. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But these are the, the, the things that were happening today. Wholesale inventories was in line with ex, uh, expectations. Uh, the number one reason, a huge jump in crude oil. Well, I should say inventory of crude oil. You know, we, we're at all-time record highs. And, you know, you think about, Arlene made a great point this morning. She goes, why did oil go up if we bombed Syria? Because, you know, Syria really, I mean, they don't export any oil, at least not legally. But then again, I guess it just has to do with the fact that it's the Middle East, and, and we'll have to see if it turns into something bigger than that or not. And then this one crossed my eyes, and this is it. This is all we need to know. Students interested in earning a scholarship for their video game prowess now have an option at a Power 5 university. By the way, Power 5, for you that don't know, that, that's like a football terminology. Those are the big one, Division One colleges like the ACC, uh, the Pac-12, the Pac-10, uh, the SEC, right? So these are the Power Five conferences 
the very first one now. The University of Utah. Apparently the Mormons are good gamers. They said that they're going to be awarding scholarships for those who make its varsity eSports teams for the 2017-2018 school year. There you go. This is it. This is this is the new, new, new economy. Get your kids back in their bedrooms. Start practicing on their World of Warcraft because they too could get a scholarship at least to attend Utah. It says esports is growing exponentially in a world, and it is, and and the. It's on the college scene, according to the director of operations of eSports. Part of our motivation for doing this is we wanted to help other Power 5 schools and other bigger schools seeing themselves doing it. (laughs) Pac-Man, anybody? How about asteroids? I was really good at that one. Patriot Radio News Hour. What are they going to think of next? We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional, conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Illegal aliens who pose a risk to others or to the security of our nation should be deported immediately without awaiting formal criminal charges or convictions. Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly's new policy sensibly authorizes government officials to make such determinations. These reforms and others are entirely consistent with the executive orders issued by President Trump last month, but carelessly blocked by federal courts. Already, we have seen new orders from the president that do not give up any of these essential policies. Secretary Kelly's directives properly advance two additional objectives of the Trump administration. These new policies seek to reduce sanctuary areas for illegal aliens and encourage local police to assist in the implementation of our immigration laws. Until now, sanctuary cities that harbor illegals have been taking federal dollars with impunity, and an analysis by Reuters reveals that the top 10 sanctuary cities receive $2.2 billion in federal aid. Yet, a recent Harvard-Harris poll found that 80% of Americans oppose the policies of sanctuary cities. Many local law enforcement programs for dealing with illegal aliens were suspended or simply not enforced during the Obama administration. The vast majority of cities and towns across America have police who want to rid their communities of the crime brought by illegal immigration, but they could not do so for the past eight years. Secretary Kelly indicated that the Trump administration will restore programs that facilitate cooperation between local and federal law enforcement with respect to apprehending and removing illegal aliens. 
Specifically, Trump is reinitiating the Secure Communities and 287G programs, which authorize police to act like immigration agents and continue imprisonment of illegals suspected of committing crimes before they're handed over to federal immigration agents. We are thrilled to see the Trump administration honoring their promises to take strong action against illegal immigration. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. What's the cost of illegal immigration? It burdens our schools, hospitals, and social services. It opens the door to criminals, terrorists, and voter fraud. And it's unfair to those who came here legally. At PSEagles.com, we want to hear your thoughts on illegal immigration. Join the blog at PSEagles.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back, Patriot Radio News Hour. And, and, you know, this is just really what it is. Nobody really is sure about anything. From day to day, hour to hour, week to week. But this is why you want to have all of those pet rocks close to home. Today, U.S. $20 gold pieces. Listen, and they're just going to keep going this way. Uh, U.S. 20s, there's going to be uh, 1335 dollars uh, gold's at twelve sixty-five. If you buy twenty or more, we'll take them down to thirteen and a quarter at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. I told you uh, at the beginning of the program that Jamie Dimon came out and told everybody, "Hey, everybody can relax. We're 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 all doing a great job. Your bankers are here to help you." And everything is fine, and it's all fixed, and nobody needs to worry about anything any longer. And please go about your business. There's nothing to see here. Then Neil Kashkari came out. Of course, he was the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Chief and said that he... Essentially, you know, you don't want to use the word liar. That's because he didn't say that Jamie Dimon was a liar. Uh, but he did say that that was absolutely not true. Matter of fact, if you go out uh, to our website, and this is why it needs to be part of your daily routine. You go out there and you can uh, read it all for yourself out at allamericangold.com. But then... And it was kind of interesting how this has all happened, because this is, again, things we don't see. Obviously, there was a reason why Jamie Dimon came out and made this comment on television. And there was another reason why Neil Kashkari came out and said that is the words he used, demonstratively false talking about Jamie Dimon saying that the fears of too big to fail had been eradicated. That was what Jamie Dimon had to say. It is the second article on our website today uh, behind uh, Donald Trump and then the gold rally. Uh, Cash Carey says Dimon dead wrong about banks. And I was wondering, it was kind of odd. That's kind of odd. Why? Why are they talking about too big to fail? And then this morning, I got the piece of the puzzle to make it all fit. Former Goldman Sachs Group executive 
who is the top White House economic advisor, told lawmakers he could back legislation breaking up the largest U.S. banks in a boost for a congressional effort to reinstate Glass-Steagall. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. It has to happen. Really, not only do we got to reinstate Glass-Steagall, we got to go back to the gold standard. Of course, Glass-Steagall, these, these rules, these laws, got put into place during, well, during the Great Depression, after the crash. And they remained there all the way up until Alan Greenspan came to the Federal Reserve. And then they systematically got rid of them. And then what happened? Right, we had another huge crisis. And instead of what? Doing what they did back in the 30s. Instead, we bailed them all out. We still bail them out, right? They're still, right, they get free money from the Federal Reserve every year. Comments by Barry, uh, by Gary Cohn, director of the White House National Economic Council, came in a private meeting with lawmakers on the Senate Banking Committee. By the way, that was Wednesday, so two days ago. They had the meeting. Now it all makes sense, doesn't it? Cohen was asked by Elizabeth Warren whether the administration planned to carry out a promise included in the Republican platform and made by the Trump campaign to restore the law separating traditional commercial banking from investment banking. The law was repealed in 1999. Now, there was lots lots of parts of Glass-Steagall. The last of it was in 1999. This led to the era of the Superbank. They didn't exist before. You know, I, I tell the story about how many times our baseball stadium has been renamed. Because the bank that originally had the rights got bought by another bank, which bought, you know got by, bought by another bank, and the reason why all of those bank buyouts happen, you know, and it's funny because again, it just reminds me of why it was that the Federal Reserve came in existence in the first place. It was all about controlling the money. They didn't like how many banks there were, especially as the country grew out to the west. Banks were popping up everywhere. And the elite did not like that. And now you think about, well, what happened in 1999, the last of Glass-Steagall, right? That kind of said, hey, your, your, your regular bank where you put your hard-earned money, right? It also can't be a, a mortgage broker, <laughs> can't be an insurance company, can't be selling, you know, uh, leveraged ETFs and bonds and all that other stuff. 
Cohen expressed openness to working on the issue and said he could support a simple policy completely separating the two businesses. A White House spokesman uh, said that Cohen was simply discussing the president's previously stated policy. The president spoke to the need of a simplification of the banking system on the campaign trail. So we're going to have to wait and see. But I think it just, the, the, the whole highlight to that is they didn't fix anything. It's all still there. Go out to all American people. Don't take my word for it. Read it for yourself. Read what Neil Kashkari had to say about the capital standards and saying that they're not nearly high enough. Right? And I keep saying this all the time. There's not enough. But FDIC insurance, you know, that's just a scam, right? There's no money there. Not if one of these mega banks goes under. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. So as the head of Donald Trump's National Economic Council was testifying in front of the banking committee on Wednesday, Jamie Dimon was out there saying that The fears of too big to fail had been eradicated and that he contended that the banks are well capitalized and well regulated enough to sustain similar shocks to what happened during the last crisis. In other words, hey, it's all clear, all fixed. Then Neil Kashkari came out and said, Hey, neither one of those is true. The bank equity won't be near enough to help the industry in case of another crisis. Regulator and regulators are still being too easy on the banks. And listen, this is what it's all about. They've robbed from us. They've stolen from us. Right? Talking about the head bankers, the Federal Reserve. Then you think about, I don't even know how these banks are still in business. Right? Remember the Wells Fargo thing, right? The whole scam that was going on. And you think about how many complaints. Remember the show I did with the Better Business Bureau, and they all had like 10,000-plus complaints apiece? They said that according to uh, Cash Car, he has a blog. The odds of a bailout in the next century are at 70%. That's a pretty good bet, isn't it? Hey, yeah, it's going to happen again. Pretty good chance. And I think 70%, that's really, uh, I think that's being generous. Because I can tell you, uh, yeah, try 100%. It says that the Fed analysis concluded, okay, so the Federal Reserve, the head bankers themselves, they did the research, right? They 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 uh, they put the MIT mafia, right? They, they put them all to work. 
give us an economic bottle and punch in all this stuff and tell us what comes out the other side. Right? They all put their headphones on and they're in their cubicles and they're clacking away at the keyboard. According to the Federal Reserve's own analysis, banks should be able to handle a 20% loss on assets during a crisis. And so so essentially, hey, you got to be got to have 20%. To get to that level, current capital standards that Jamie Dimon just told everybody, hey, is wonderful, would have to double, or in other words, hey, we need a 100% increase in the current capital standard. Officials at J.P. Morgan did not immediately respond for comment. And I and I sit there and I and I, I guess my question is simple. If the Federal Reserve's own analysis says this is what we need to be able to handle, then why is it that that isn't what the rule is? Right? I mean that's pretty simple. And we know twenty percent, even that number is probably generous, but let's go with it. Gotta have twenty percent. But they don't require them to have 20%. Not even close to that number. Why would that be? And the answer, again, is simple. They'd be insolvent. And don't worry, because they rewrote all the rules. You know, Dodd-Frank, you know that great piece of legislation? (laughs) That was part of kind of like the... uh, the Patriot Act, right? you got to read the bill to know what's in the bill type thing. They put all that onus on us. Right? Think about that. Why would they do that? We don't run the bank. Right? We don't know about mortgages and, and derivatives and all this other stuff. We, we shouldn't have to know it. Why would we be responsible And then why would you deliberately not enforce what your own research and your own analysis says it should be? And this is part of the problem. They don't really want to fix anything. Right? The easy answer would be break them up. Right? Break them up. I mean, have you ever thought about what would happen if J.P. Morgan went under tomorrow? I mean, it's not going to happen tomorrow. I don't want to say that it that it is, but it, have you ever thought about it? I don't. <laughs> most people don't, right? But you're thinking about it now, right? And you're thinking, well, it's FDIC insured, but they don't have any money. Well, they got some, but not nearly enough to go. I mean, wouldn't that be a great rule? Hey, no bank can be larger than the the FDIC insurance fund. Right? That way, if a bank went under, we got the money. But that's not the rule. 
And then you start asking yourselves, well, why did they do the laws on the money markets and the 401ks and the IRAs and all that? Now, now you're starting to understand. Because chances are the deposit money may not be enough either. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Middle East problem, trade problem, jobs problems, North Korean problems. Let's not forget, right, the, we're in the sequester, right, we're taking extraordinary measures when it comes to the, the federal budget, right, we've got a debt limit problem, you know, really, we've got a debt problem. We learned today that even the Federal Reserve, with their own analysis, says the banks are undercapitalized by 100%. (laughs) I mean, think about what that really means. And on any of these problems, and there's so many, every time you turn around, there's another. I mean, Syria wasn't really even on the map three days ago. But this is why you prepare. This is why you put things away. We still, I mean, think about it, We still got premiums right near all-time lows. And, and like I said, and I've been saying it all year, this is going to be a big year in the gold market. Rate hikes, good for gold. Federal Reserve saying they're going to start, you know, gradually unwinding their balance sheet, which I don't know. I, I still don't believe it, but if they did really good for gold. <laughs> right? I mean, anybody, anytime bombs are dropping, unfortunately, that's good for gold. You know, the, the, the only thing we have right now, there is hope. But now, if you believe what Fannie Mae said, that hope may be waning. You know, remember, they said that uh, 10% drop in people feeling it's a good time to buy a home. And the number one answer of why was they were worried about their job. And then, of course, you know, just like today, you have that conflicting jobs data report. I don't know which one's right. Because let's face it, neither one of them is a real number. You know, and I keep saying, how about we just deal with real things, but... I don't know if Glass-Steagall comes back or a form of Glass-Steagall. Think about breaking up the bank. All of that stuff is great for gold. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. Uh, U.S. $20 gold pieces, 1 through 19 at 13.35, which is 70 bucks over spot. I mean, that's every... Every year for 13 years, that was pretty much below my cost. Well, at least for the last 10 years. I mean, that wasn't below cost at three when I first started. But as far as a percentage above spot, that, that would be for 13 years below what I've ever seen. And that's a retail price of 13.35. If you buy 20 or more, 
at 800 951 and whatever it may be. Silver, gold, $20, $10, $5, we can help you. We've helped thousands and thousands of you. If you want to roll an IRA, we can help you do that. If you want to get into the metals program, if you want to buy, if you want to sell, if you want to trade. By the way, great time to trade as well. 800-951-0592. Everybody take care, and we'll see you everybody next week. Thank you.